Welcome and thank you for joining our podcast, which is the second of two podcasts created in celebration of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, and to highlight some of our talent in the firm and reach out to individuals in our community. I am Judy Edia, shareholder from the Los Angeles office. Today, we've invited Kevin Yam, a senior associate from our New York City office, and Fran Barbieri, a Littler alum who is now chief counsel litigation and employment at Worldwide Technology in St. Louis, Missouri, to share their stories and insights on the topic, feeling like or being seen as a perpetual foreigner in the United States. Welcome, Fran and Kevin. Hi, Judy. Thanks for having me. Hi, Judy. It's very nice to be here. I look forward to today's conversation. Looking forward to it, too. It's going to be great. The 2022 theme for AAPI Heritage Month is Advancing Leaders Through Collaboration. Human beings are inclined to make quick judgments based on superficial cues, such as gender, ethnicity or race, and age. Asian Americans arguably have to deal with looking quote unquote foreign, not looking or worse, not being American. I've had many conversations with Asian American friends and colleagues about being asked, where are you from? Depending on my mood, I sometimes reply Long Beach. And if the person who asks still looks confused, I'll say, my family is actually from Japan. And then there's that look of, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I don't think most people who ask are being rude, let alone racist, but it points out the inescapable sense of foreignness that I and other Asian Americans deal with sometimes on a daily basis, and importantly for this conversation in our professional lives. During today's podcast, Kevin, Fran, and I will discuss personal experiences with being seen as a foreigner in our own homes, so to speak and how we've managed to overcome that to achieve personal and professional success, including obtaining leadership positions within our communities. So Fran and Kevin, this month is full of storytelling. Let's hear more about you. So Fran, if you could start. Sure. So I was born in Korea, but I was adopted when I was nine months old to a suburb of St. Louis, Missouri. And that is where I grew up. So my parents were not Korean. I had an Italian last name, and I just did not grow up around many Asian people at all. I went to college and law school in Missouri and spent some time in Boston, and I'm now back in St. Louis. Great. Thank you so much. How about you, Kevin? I'm Chinese-American and born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. It's a melting pot of many cultures and religions. I myself grew up in a, I would say, a very multicultural school environment, as well as my other friends. And on the weekends, I would go to Chinese school. And on the weekdays, I would go to public school in New York City. And then after that, I went to Michigan for undergrad and then Buffalo for law school. And then I'm currently practicing in New York City for the last eight years. Great. So thank you so much. Already, it sounds like today's conversation is going to be so interesting because Fran and Kevin, you guys have had such a different upbringing in terms of geography and sort of surrounding communities and whatnot. So to start today's conversation off, I'd like to ask, when did each of you recall first being aware that some people looked at you as a foreigner? And how did you handle that? Fran, maybe we could start with you. Sure. So, you know, generally, I would say I had a great childhood. I do remember isolated instances of like kids kind of making fun of me, like making fun of my eyes or little instances like that. But for the most part, I felt like my family and I, we fit in. We did, a, we were involved in the community. 
and I participated in a lot of activities and sports, and I thought it was great. In high school, I was a cheerleader and I, I had a lot of friends, which I'm not saying like to brag or anything weird, but I say that because I just, I felt like I was like living the all-American experience and it, life was great. And I just remember very clearly a time when I was probably a junior in high school when a guy who I was friends with, I was talking to him about how like a lot of our friends started pairing up and like dating. And he said like in a very matter of fact way that he thought that the reason that I was not getting asked out was because of my race and because I was Asian. And it was just this moment for me of like, it just, it was a very big realization that even though I feel like I'm like one of you guys, there is a way that I'm never going to be fully one of you guys, or at least that's how people will perceive me. But, you know, even with that experience, the people I grew up around knew me in a sense. And so I didn't have to explain why my last name was different or, you know, the fact that I don't look like my dad. And so it was still like fairly comfortable. And it wasn't until I went off to college and law school when I really realized that when people look at me, they don't see like this person who grew up in the suburb of St. Louis with this Italian heritage and celebrating, you know, Italian holidays, like with my family, which is what I did. Like they see me as a Korean person. And that's when I started getting more comments, like, where are you really from? And that sort of thing. And it wasn't terrible for me. It kind of made me think, well, if this is how everybody sees me, then I kind of want to learn more about that. So I went out of my way to learn more about Korean culture and meet more like Asian Americans and kind of expand my horizons that way. And that is when I began to see how truly like diverse the Asian American experience is, which I think you mentioned, Judy, just hearing from Kevin and from me, like, I think we're a really good example of that. Right. I mean, I think that one of the issues we deal with as Asian American and Pacific Islanders is sometimes being lumped into one monolith, like one big group, when in fact, you know, we have a lot of different backgrounds and experiences. So that's really fascinating, Fran. And, and I'm really glad that you were able to, you know, choose to look into your background sort of on your terms and really embrace that side of you. So Kevin, when did you first sort of become aware that people may be perceiving you as a foreigner and how did you handle that? For me, it was kind of early on, uh, in particular because I was born in New York and my parents spoke English, but I was placed in the English as second language ESL class for kindergarten. So I, I found it kind of confusing why I would be placed into that class. And then you know, when I went to school the first day in that class, it was all Asian Americans. So I felt foreign and I felt different than other, other peers, like, like my, my other neighbors who were placed in regular class. So I have a more of a, a further unique experience in particular because I went to public school in New York City during the week. And then on the weekend, I went to Chinese school. So, you know, at Chinese school, I would get a similar experience, right? Because Chinese people are first generation immigrants would say, hey, you speak Chinese with an American accent. So I felt like I was behind on both languages from, you know, very early age until, you know, maybe probably in my early teens. So I always felt like I was catching up. So 
I felt like I was a foreigner in both settings. And that kind of set me back a little bit. But, you know, that also pushed me to get better at English and Chinese. So with English, you know, I became uh, immersed in American culture, sports, politics, TV shows. And with Chinese, I went to Chinese school for 10 years and then I followed through with college. Uh, and then also I taught English in China. Yeah, no, it's interesting how, depending on the context, you know, like at Chinese school, people sort of made fun of you for not having a perfect Chinese accent and, and not, you know, maybe being Chinese. Whereas in mainstream school, in public school, you know, people may have seen you as not being American and putting you in that ESL class. Um, so it, it can be very contextual. And I sort of experienced it myself when I was studying in Japan after college. I didn't think that a lot of the Japanese viewed me as Japanese. Instead, they viewed me as American, which was, you know, probably right. <laughs> Uh, my Japanese is not that great. And I definitely carry myself as an American, whereas, you know, growing up in Southern California, even though it's pretty multicultural, there weren't a lot of Asian Americans where I grew up. And I often felt like a foreigner that I didn't really fit in. And ironically, it wasn't really until I moved to Hawaii where there, you know, it's a minority majority state of predominantly Asian Americans that I finally feel like I, I fit in somewhere. And I don't, you know, look like or feel like a foreigner anymore. So I highly recommend that to um, Asian Americans who are listening to this is come move to Hawaii and you'll feel like you fit in. So in terms of the next question, and I appreciate the, the background of your childhood and sort of growing up and leading to the point of you're now, you know, being attorneys. So as a lawyer, um, has this issue of feeling foreign continued? And if so, in what context and, and how did you handle that situation or those situations? So I will say I still get comments and confusion around my last name because although I am married and I took my husband's name, it is just a different Italian name than my maiden name. So that causes a lot of confusion. And I also, I don't know if this happens to you guys, but one of the most common things that still happens now is I'll just meet people for the first time and they'll say things like, oh, my wife is from the Philippines. And then like, we just stare at each other because I'm not really quite sure what, what they're, what kind of reaction they're, they're wanting. But, you know, I think it's very well-meaning, but I'm very confused by it. But in any case, I think um, in the professional setting, I would say that really comments have really decreased over the years. And, you know, I like to think that's because people have gotten more enlightened, I hope. Um, so I would say my biggest issues in my career come not from the way others treat me, but from kind of my own feelings of inadequacy or having imposter syndrome. And I think that comes a little bit from my family history because I was a first-generation college and law school graduate. I had never been around working lawyers until my first job. And so when I finally did get my first law firm job, I felt like I should just be happy to be there, like not thinking about taking leadership roles or, you know, that I wanted to make partner in X amount of years. I was just, like I said, happy to be there. And I think that feeling also comes from a real lack of representation, especially when I first entered the industry, which was 15 years ago. You know, I know the first firm that I was at did not have any partners of color. And when I moved to Littler, things started getting much better because they were very intentional about the fact that like, while we don't have a ton of 
Asian shareholders right now. That's something we're really working towards. And I was able to see those efforts come to fruition, which was really, really cool. And so that is something I've seen a lot of positive change in my career. And, you know, within myself, I just, I started gaining confidence after practicing for a while and, you know, meeting people who instilled in me, they thought that I was doing a good job. You know, I remember after I went in-house, I had a situation where we had a high profile employment situation and I was working with outside counsel who happened to be like an older white attorney. And I asked him to come to a meeting with some executives And I basically let him talk and share our position and our legal advice for the situation. And after the meeting, I was thinking, you know, I really, that didn't, it wasn't great. I think I could have done a better job. And then my deputy DC pulled me aside and she said the same thing. She was like, I think in our conversations, I think you, you would have done fine. Like representing that. I don't really think he needed to come. Uh, So that was One of those moments I can remember where I really just started getting more confidence in my own abilities. No, that's great. And, you know, it's interesting how growing up and sometimes experiencing feelings of, you know, being different or looking different sort of carries over into our adult lives and then recognizing that and then working towards, you know, sort of overcoming those feelings and wanting to um, and needing to be more assertive and self-confident. And, you know, even though the three of us are sort of mid-career, it's like we're still continually like working on those things to help us in our career. So thank you, Fran. Kevin, how about you? Have you experienced any situations where you felt like people perceived you as being foreign while you've been practicing law? Yes. Yeah, so I um, remember very vividly, probably very early on in my career in federal court in Manhattan, when a very senior federal judge called my case and I, and I stood up and then the uh, opposing counsel stood up as well and happened to be also Asian American. And we both proceeded to our seats in front of the judge. And I remember very vividly him looking down at the sheet, the roster, what our names were. And it was very close. His name was Yan and I was Yam. And then the the judge proceeded to ask, you know, are you guys related? You know, because we're both Asian Americans in the same courtroom, two out of maybe like 70 attorneys that day, um, two Asian Americans. And, you know, I thought it was very awkward and uncomfortable um, and made me feel like, you know, I was foreign, you know, and, and, and comparing me to another Asian American as, you know, are we related? Whereas he didn't even ask anybody, you know, the other 68 white attorneys, whether they're related, I thought that was very, you know, off-putting. And then before uh, I became an attorney, I also experienced another event where I felt very foreign and that, you know, people weren't really taking me seriously. It was when I was a law clerk at a downtown Buffalo law firm where I clerked for two years while I was attending law school. Their senior partner, who I saw, you know, once a month probably or more um, in the elevator for the course of two years, I always greeted him, but he never decided to talk to me or find out what my name was or my, what my practice interests were. And then one day in the second year, I know I remember it was a cold winter day, you know, I walked into the elevator lobby and he greeted me this time. So I was, I was like surprised, you know, and he said, Mr. So-and-so with a Chinese surname that was not mine and said, let's go to my office. Let's go discuss your case. And then I couldn't believe that he still couldn't recognize me and assume that because I was Asian looking, I must have been his new Chinese client that he was seeing that day. So that made me feel really small. Now, um, no, fast forward, you know, eight years into my practice. 
you know, at, at a firm like Littler, where we have such a diverse organizations of many Asian American attorneys, we're, we're given uh, leadership opportunities as well as, you know, career advancement opportunities. I feel um, very blessed to be on this platform. And also our firm has an affinity group, Ohana, which caters to the AAPI affinity group. So I feel very comfortable these days practicing law at Littler. And on top of that, because I deal with English and Chinese speaking clients every day, I feel like I can relate to my clients on a more cultural and personal level. So I'm very blessed to be practicing at Littler and in New York uh, these days. Thank you so much for sharing, Kevin. You know, sometimes those awkward situations arise and it's hard to know how you want to handle it, whether you just want to maybe laugh it off or if you want to sort of dive deeper into a conversation with that person. So thank you for sharing that. So a question for the both of you involves allies. Again, the theme this year for AAPI Heritage Month is leadership through collaboration. And, you know, the idea of collaboration brings to mind the idea of of allies. And uh, allies are folks who are not necessarily those in the AAPI community, but who are there to help, you know, mentor us and help support us through um, professional challenges and whatnot. And so the question for you both is, do you try to work with allies? Have you had great relationships or relationships with allies? And, you know, what types of issues have they helped you with or supported you on? Well, I definitely have had some great mentors that really showed me how to, I would say, like walk the walk. They both happen to be more experienced female African-American lawyers. And, you know, even though I have always cared a lot about equity and inclusion, I used to be kind of scared to speak up when I saw things that, you know, were an opportunity for change. I was scared or I just didn't quite know how to handle it. But through like working with these great mentors and seeing them, how they were not afraid to speak up both for themselves and for others and to really create some meaningful change like in their organizations, it just taught me how to find my voice, I would say. And so now I am a leader both in my local bar community and in my company's diversity efforts. And in both of those roles, there's a lot of collaboration with other groups and other, you know, affinity groups, other bar associations. And it's just been a wonderful experience, you know, in a market like St. Louis, where I am, all of our bar associations, you know, the Asian American bar, the African American bar, separately, we are not that big and we only have so much time to give, but we have done a lot of collaborative projects working with each other that have had a lot of success. And I know we would not have that success unless we worked with each other. So it's been great. My friend, that's a great point, how important it is for groups to not only celebrate their own members, but also to work with each other in order to help improve the situation, whether it's professional or personal or you know, dealing with civil rights or whatnot, so that the situation for all of us uh, continues to improve. Kevin, how about you? Yeah, so I've had um, many great mentors and colleagues here at Littler, as well as in my professional and um, personal communities. Through my practice, um, I've spoken about these important um, diversity and inclusion issues in, in several CLE seminars and talks that Littler has sponsored. In my community, I am um, a director at the Chinese Business Association of New York, and a labor employment co-chair at the Asian American Bar Association of New York. 
the Asian American Bar Association of Albany is actually one of the largest bar associations in the United States. And we, we do a lot of activities throughout the year, hundreds of events. And, you know, we try to get the ears of the governor, the mayor, a lot of congresspersons to talk about these important issues. And in these associations, you know, it's often led by uh, many experienced professionals who I can learn from and who share the same values that I do. So I feel very blessed to be um, in part of these associations. And then with the Chinese Business Association in New York, it's very similar to Albany. You know, we also pursue the same values. So, you know, I'm very, I'm very happy that I'm part of these organizations. And Butler has been very um, supportive of these actions that I'm taking as part of these associations. No, it's great, Kevin. It's important to spend your time working with causes that you believe in and that also help sort of spread certain missions and values in terms of um, whether it's a business organization or sort of a civil rights-oriented organization, again, to help improve the situation within the AAPI community and also across other communities and and working with leadership and, and other groups to help support and further that. So Fran and Kevin, I have had such a great time talking with you both about your experiences. I want to thank you so much for your time and willingness to share your thoughts on, you know, the important idea and issue that's related to being seen, potentially being seen as a foreigner in our own country. So I look forward to having other discussions with you both. And again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me, Judy. I'm so happy to help celebrate AAPI Month with Littler. Thank you so much, Judy. I appreciate it. Thank you again. And thank you for listening and celebrating AAPI Heritage Month with Littler Mendelssohn.